Welcome to the Under 8 Podcast, a daily college basketball show brought to you every weekday in under eight minutes. At the time of recording, it is Thursday, November 16th at 11.19 p.m. My name is Josh Molinex. Yet another highly ranked women's team goes down on this Thursday night. Utah and Wake Forest go toe-to-toe in Charleston and high majors get all they can ask for from their mid-major foes. It's all right now on the Under 8 Podcast. Josh Mullenix is Josh Mullenix. I'm Josh Mullenix. Josh Doring is here with me on this Thursday evening. Josh, here we are again. For the third time already this season, talking talking about another high-ranked women's team going down. This time it is Iowa, it is Caitlin Clark, and it's via Kansas State in a 65-58 loss. Yeah, uh, Iowa scores 58 points when Caitlin Clark is 9-32 from the field and 2-16 of 16 from 3 with 3 assists. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't need to be more complicated than that. This is... And you and I have not talked about this much on the pod. We've talked about it off the pod. This is the downside to the way that they play and the brilliance of Caitlin Clark. That there is no plan B. Yeah. And so if the shots aren't falling, the shots aren't falling. She's not necessarily a player that's going to go find a way to get you 16 and 10 because that's what the team needs that night because the threes aren't going. She's mm-hmm. going to take 15 threes because that's what they do. And Kansas State has found a way to keep her, relatively speaking, quiet. And it you can't stop her, but you can make her inefficient to the point where it doesn't work as a efficient offensive system, an effective offensive system. And that's what happened. Yeah, this is about as close to stopping her as you're going to get. I would exactly. probably categorize this as stopping her. Yes. Oh, absolutely. 32 shots to get 24 points. They they have clearly, like you said, fig- figured something out. This is the second year in a, in a row that Iowa has lost to Kansas State. Uh, Caitlin Clark was 6 of 17 from the field. Uh, had 27 points in the game last year, but 6 of 17. So between the two games, she's 15 of 49 from the field in the last two games against Kansas State. It's not the total number of points that Caitlin gets in the in Iowa's losses it's actually very similar last year she actually averaged more points and losses than uh in wins last year uh the splits that's what they'll tell you but it was 48 percent shooting and almost 40 percent from the three-point line last year it was 42 percent shooting from the from the field and 36 percent in losses so to your point she's gonna get the points She's just going to because that's how they're that's how Iowa's team is built. But it's the efficiency where you get into trouble if you're the Hawkeyes. Yeah. And should give Kansas State their props as well. Ioka Lee, 22 and 12, 9 of 14 shooting. Doesn't get much better than that. To go into that building and get a win is big time and this is becoming really, really interesting on the women's side where South Carolina has blown the doors off everybody, mm-hmm. but nobody was talking about South Carolina at the beginning of the season, and all the teams we were talking about have already lost. Right. 
Right. So it'll be interesting to see what the gap actually is as we get deeper into the season. Is South Carolina just that much better than everybody else? Or do they get caught as well? It's uh it's certainly it's certainly a possibility in the women's game this year. And Iowa, the next most recent highly ranked team to fall um early in the season within, you know, the first couple of weeks. Some some good basketball, you know, we're starting to see some of those early feast week tournaments, you know, those early multi-team events start to come into play. The Charleston Classic, there's some Legends Classic stuff going on. But Josh, there was a really fun game in the Charleston Classic this evening between Utah and Wake Forest. Ultimately, a 77-70 win for the Utes over the Demon Deacons, thanks in large part to a 31 Point performance from Brandon Carlson uh, to ultimately pull this one out. Yeah, the first half it was. I believe the teams combined to make 15 straight shots, and in between there was the one that didn't go in was a foul. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was incredible, and it was Brandon Carlson going toe to toe with that Wake Forest backcourt of Cameron Hildreth and Hunter Salas. They were just, it was incredible to watch. They were just trading blows and. Eventually, Utah starts throwing out some different zones. Wake Forest did not like those zones, could never really figure them out. Carlson has five more points at the end of the game, hits the three to really kind of seal it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a, a couple things. One, now Utah gets an opportunity to go play Houston. And this was a game that if you're trying to move up the hierarchy in the Pac-12 in terms of NCAA tournament resumes and trying to elevate the Pac-12 so that being the sixth or seventh best team can still get you into the tournament. Winning games like this is really helpful. And now it also sets up that game against Houston. Uh, Wake Forest, you're still shorthanded. Don't have all of your guys back. Uh, This backcourt, and I know you want to talk about this too. If you get Demario Monsanto back with Hunter Salas and Cameron Hildreth, this could be really interesting. Mm-hmm. How good it makes them, I don't know, but they at least have some offensive firepower in the backcourt, if nothing else. Parker Fredrickson? Fredrickson? It's the weirdest spelling of Fredrickson on the history of the planet, but he's a gamer. Uh, he hit some big shots down the stretch, mm-hmm. and and I, I like I like that uh, out of a freshman. What I do want to talk about just a, a little bit is, you know, Hunter Salas is a perfect example of of a couple things. One... One, the the Gonzaga program is at such a high level. And two, sometimes you have to go somewhere else to show just how talented you are because you might just get lost in translation amongst a bunch of other really talented players. But Salas kind of just does whatever he wants for Wake Forest. 20 points, 8 of 12 shooting. He's a 6'5 guard with handles that can get into the lane. He was 2 of 4 from the three-point line. He, in theory, has it all. And he couldn't really, you know, he's averaging 16 points per game early in the season here, playing over 30 minutes a game. He never averaged more than four and a half points per game at Gonzaga, nor did he play more than 17 minutes a game. So uh, it'll be interesting, you know, as we move into ACC play and just get deeper into the season, what kind of what kind of year he ends up putting together and and perhaps some of the uh, some of the statistical numbers and accolades he can he can rack up this year and if somebody knows how to get the most out of transfers looking for a fresh start it's steve forbes 
Yes. It's a good yeah. combination. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. So that was kind of the thing that was jumping off the page early late for me. Not that he was blowing me out of the water or anything, but he was, I was like, that is the guy that was, it's, it's obvious why Mark few saw him and said, I, I would like to have that guy on my basketball oh, team. Yeah. He's even an all though, AC caliber. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. 100%. Last on the show this evening, the mid-majors, it could have been like a crazy good night for mid-majors. There were a couple of stumbles down the stretch that just turned it into a solid night, Josh, but a a handful of high major teams getting all they can handle from their mid-major opponents on this particular evening. Let's start here, Josh, uh, a team that, with one Hall of Fame coach uh, taking the reins on the sidelines was very uh, highly touted uh, relative to how they've been the last couple of years. People were excited about this particular team. It's been a little bit rocky for St. John's. Uh, We, of course, saw them kind of get smoked inside basically their own building at Madison Square Garden by Michigan. It's been a little rocky. They had some hiccups and exhibitions and tonight they just barely escape a North Texas team uh, by the score of 53-52. Yeah. It's the same story that we talked about after Michigan. They're not good offensively. The guards are incredibly inefficient. It's just not happening for them. Joel Soriano's getting his double-doubles, but that's about the only positive thing happening. Now, the other thing you could look at and say, okay, they had a really good defensive game. Against North Texas, does that mean anything? Probably not. But after what they did against Michigan, at least you held somebody in the 50s. That's got to do something positive for you. But yeah, it's not not a good start and no indications that solutions are coming in the near future. There's it doesn't feel like there's a ton of cohesion. I really need there to not be games where Joel Soriano is the to, is is outshot by three other guys in the starting yep. lineup. Like that's not we've unless we they're have, making shots. Unless they're making shots, but I need I need Donis Jenkins to not have 13 more shots than Joel Soriano and only make three more field goals. I need you to not go six of 18 if you're going to take 18 of them. Yep. If you're hot, great, but. Joel Soriano, 11 and 12 and five blocks on three of five shooting. And he just needs, he needs the ball more. He's the best player on the team. And we need to not get so caught up in the guards on this team that we forget who should have a really big imprint on all aspects of every St. John's game. It's called point guard play. Yep. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Real, real quick. Some of the other ones here, LSU's, beating Dayton 60 to 45 with just over nine minutes left. And then Dayton comes back to win, got 10 extra offensive rebounds, 14 for four edge that helps make up for the fact that they did not shoot the ball as well as LSU did. So Mm -hmm. Dayton gets that win. Our friend Daryl Banks, the third Remember Daryl Banks, the third. Yes. Of St. Peter's fame. Oh yes, 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 yes. Hits gets fouled from three, hits the game winning free throw. St. Bonaventure beats Oklahoma State. Good start to their MTE. They didn't score a field goal after the 450 mark, but still found a way to win. And mm-hmm. then the one I wanted to talk about for a second here. You called this beforehand and said Arizona State might lose to UMass Lowell. Well, it was 65-54 UMass Lowell, 216 left. UMass Lowell managed to 
completely throw the way the lead away mm-hmm. with nine seconds left, then tied the game at the free throw line, and then conceded another basket to lose 71-69. Again, they were winning 65-54 with 216 left, and Arizona State took the lead twice before the end of regulation. I had UMass Lowell money line. I'm in pain. <laughs> I'm in pain. I'm in pain. I thought I thought we could we could just tie it up in a nice neat little bow. And UMass Lowell was going to walk to 4-0, and they were going to walk to their second straight win against a high major opponent. But I suppose it wasn't meant to be. I think what is meant to be is that the Riverhawks are going to have a really good season, and that's a team that we should be talking about when it comes to discussing true when it when discussing true mid majors this year. Um, they started at 191 at Kempom. They're already up to 122. Um, that's not with Arizona, this Arizona State uh, result in the books, but I can't imagine that they'll go down after losing to, uh, to a 91st at Kempom Arizona State team. Uh, when we're looking at the America East, of course, Vermont is, is the big dog in that conference, but I, I think the Riverhawks are going to have something to say about it. The East Coast, between them, Princeton got some very intriguing mid majors already. Yes, we do. And the Riverhawk is just a great mascot, phenomenal mascot. <laughs> Josh, anything else? Got different schedule next week. So we mm-hmm. wanted to announce that quickly. Wednesday and Sunday. So we'll kind of, there'll be some early week. Uh, feast week action, some MTE action, and we'll talk about that on Wednesday in a larger, uh, in a larger podcast format. Not in a, not in a quick hitting one. We'll just kind of get into it, and then once feast week wraps up on the end of the week on Sunday, we'll get into the action on the back half of uh, of feast week. Uh, a little lighter schedule to account for Thanksgiving, but still so much college basketball happening that. Uh, we wanted to get a couple podcasts out. So that will be the schedule next week, Wednesday and Sunday. Everyone have a happy Thanksgiving. That's the under eight podcast for Thursday, November 16th. It is just after 1130 on Thursday evening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your shows and follow the under eight pod on Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Thanks so much for being here and we will see you next week.